0: Good evening, and welcome to another edition of Teachers Talk Radio. Uh, it's the Late Late Show. I'm Sean Mackay, Weeks and Academy's Literacy And tonight we're going to talk about 21 years of advice, everything I can give to people on advice, behaviour, everything and in between. Welcome to Teachers Talk Radio. So good evening and welcome to Friday Evening's Late Late Show. Um, And tonight is 21 years of advice. Um, So a show basically for mainly for kind of ECTs, for ITT students, people that are starting their teaching journey. So it's just some of the things that I've learned along the way and just how I've done it, the things that I've done, the way that I've tried to be a good teacher as much as I can do. And it's just kind of basically a bit of advice. Um, Now, I don't know about you, but um, we've come back after Christmas and I'm already extremely tired. Um, It seems like I've already been at school for the last three weeks. um, And I'm sure that um, the student teachers that are coming into the profession, I'm sure ECTs are finding it equally as hard. Um, But I'm going to start off um, tonight's show with uh, talking about um, another one of my favourite books. Um, And it is a, a book that I've I've literally just read recently um and I posted about it on on Twitter and it was and it's an absolutely brilliant book um and it's called uh, The Witchstone Ghosts by Emily Randall Jones and when I first got this, I got this because I'm in a part of a um a, a kind of reading group um with a bunch of people a bunch of teachers a bunch of people around x um and this was the one that we're going to read um and i and I got it, and I thought it's, it's kind of not like a middle grade book. I thought it's going to be an okay book um But then I started reading it, and I I literally couldn't put it down, and it's rapidly become one of my favourite books. Um, It's only just been published um, by Emily Randall-Jones, and I can't wait for her to come out with some more books because they are absolutely fantastic. This is a great book, and I would recommend it to anyone, especially to go into school libraries um, uh, for uh, children who are kind of a a good reading ability, um, but it's kind of like year seven and eight focus but it's very very good book uh, so that is my book uh for the week um so welcome back after the christmas holidays um we're going to dive straight in today with uh behavior um because obviously behavior is one of the things that um People have to deal with kind of the most um, in terms of teaching. We have to make sure that we're monitoring behaviour constantly throughout the uh, day. And we have to try to get things right. And there's so many things that can possibly go wrong. um, And it's a really tricky thing to actually get right. And it it takes a lot of experience and a lot of watching other teachers, a lot of trial and error to kind of get um, behaviour to where you want it to be um now obviously i am not promoting uh, progressive or traditional methods i'm not promoting anything because this is just me and i want to make that perfectly clear just in case people think that i'm erring on the side of any of those things i am not these are just things that i have found work um for me in my context um but I will make the caveat with regard to this that you have to be aware that they're not always going to work all the time what works for one class may not work for another class and um, so some of these are just generic rules generic things that I've talked about and found about behavior and things that kind of work for me so the first thing I'm going to go with um, is to be consistent If you're going to uh, try to manage behaviour in your classroom, you have to be consistent across everything that you're doing. You have to make sure that um, if you are a stickler for the rules, make sure it's not just the children that are kind of um, always raising their profile. Make sure it's for everyone in that classroom that you are always consistent. And that isn't just... By telling people that they need to make the right choice. It's also in the routines that you make. It's in the things that you do every day. So, for instance, um, standing at the front of your door at the beginning of each lesson and making sure that you're welcoming students in, um, making sure that they they always see you there is they know what to expect um, and especially those children that have issues in terms of trying to regulate their behavior themselves having that consistency i think is one of the greatest things that they can have um other things consistent routine so um last year well maybe not last year the year last year and the year before um and we've started something else this year but last year and for the last three or four years i um, every time my class is coming to their classroom whether they are. Um, whether I'm there or not, because sometimes I have to move classrooms, these things just happen. They know that they have to get a reading book out and they have to sit and they have to read. Um, and uh, that's either until I get there or it's until I've set up the PowerPoint or set up my classroom, done the register. And once I've done that and we're getting into the kind of starter activity, they that's what they do. And they do it silently. Um, and this is calms people down and it focuses their attention on something and plus reading is a great thing to do anyway. Um now obviously you can't there are going to be children that don't exactly read, they're going to be just looking like they're reading. But the whole idea of this is to have something in your repertoire that is going to calm the children down when they come in. It's going to be a routine that they follow every single time. Um, now this year we have a different thing in place where they have a Uh, what would you call it you would it's a a retrieval practice task Um, some people will say that that's better I found it works just as well reading or retrieval tasks but uh, because I'm moving to different classrooms all the time because we have our school has kind of two sites in which I have to do we have the year 11s 12s and 13s in one part of the 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 site and and the the rest of the e-groups in another site. So we'll have to keep moving. So my retrieval practices generally tend to be printed off and put in a folder so that when they come in, they know exactly where that folder is, Uh, There are two people that give them out all the time. And by the time I get there, hopefully uh, very quickly after the bell goes, um, everyone is sat and is doing something. Obviously, you're not there, so you can't always keep an eye on them. And thankfully, we have a great team of staff that will always be ready and um, on hand uh, to come and make sure that they have settled as well. But it's that consistency, making sure that they're aware that there are routines that they have to follow and that you will always follow them. And that's also, um, as I said, being consistent uh, with the things that you actually do. Um, So that's one of the things you have to be aware of, especially um, as an ITT student, as an ECT, one of the things that the that, that people tend to be reactive. Um, and so they say things like, uh, right, the next person that speaks is going to spend um, an, uh, their break time with me. And at that point, you've shot yourself in the foot. Um, and it's, it's the reason for that is simple. You are now giving up your break um, to the next person that speaks. Okay, so Be aware of what you are saying and what you are saying the consequences are for people doing things, uh, because you are also going to be spending your time to doing those things as well. That doesn't mean don't do them. Absolutely. If they get to a point where these children um, are as an entire class, perhaps messing around, it doesn't normally happen. Um, But try to be um, fair, show them that you're being fair, but also that you you have a line and it's a consistent line um, and that you... Once that line is drawn, you have to follow up with that one. You have to be consistent in the things that you follow up with. Um, uh, and that comes to kind of the second thing, I think, is is having a line um, in the sand that you don't cross. I mean, there are always rules of your classroom that you can bend um, when you're asking people to uh, work silently so that they can focus on the task at hand. Um, often. I find myself, if, if people are chatting a little bit, um, often they're talking about their work, but they're also kind of enjoying it and they're talking to each other as well. And generally I look around and I think if they're getting on with their work and they're kind of enjoying what they're doing and I can go around and look for misconceptions and help those children that need help, then a little bit of noise is fine. Um But you have to have that line. Once that goes, that noise goes past a certain point, you have to turn around and stop and say, you know, this is not going to happen. The other thing with having a line is, which is in line with being consistent, um, is making sure that the, the kids know the rules to start off with, the things that you are expecting them to do in class. I mean, pretty much my only, the rule that I really rigidly, rigidly stick to is if someone else is talking, you don't. Um, and they know that there's a line in the sand. And if someone in the class, one of the students is answering a question that I've asked, if I am talking to them about some of the things or the concepts I want them to learn, um, then no one else talks and they are all facing forward and they are all looking at me so that I can see that they're paying attention. And I'm consistent with that. And I am I am very, very consistent in the consequences that happen if they don't do that. I will give Warnings, obviously, but that the students in my classes know that I find that very disrespectful for everyone um, because we should be listening to people. And so, therefore uh, that consistency and having that line that I never cross um, and that way I can kind of be quite banterish with them. You can have a joke with them now and again. You can kind of quite bond with them. But there's always that line that they never cross because you have to then become the teacher again so now we come to I started off this I, I drew myself a list up so I'm going down the list these are not necessarily in order of importance uh, these are just the things that I thought of as I was uh, planning this show earlier today uh, and the second one then uh, or the next one is um, and I think this is probably the most important thing that you have got to do in order to nurture behavior in your classroom And that is build relationships, know the children, know what their home life is like outside of school, know their um, relative needs, know what um, other people think of them, try to find out um, why they are kind of doing things, try to see if they can, if you can help them in any way, show them that you care, building relationships is the cornerstone of behaviour. Um, and in the time that I've been or the 21 years that I've been teaching, I've been trying to nurture relationships forever. It's the first thing. And it's it's kind of it's the as I said, it's the cornerstone of behavior, because if the kids like you, if they trust you, then they will behave for you and they will. You know, that's not always the case because they're going to have bad days and they're going to have better days, um, especially those children that have um um, difficulty making the right decisions, they are going to have a much more, um, nuanced understanding of what they think is acceptable. Um, but you have to keep making sure that you're building those relationships and that the students understand that making the wrong choices is still going to be, have the, uh, the, the, a consequence after them. The same as making a right choice is going to have a consequence, but a much more positive one. So building those relationships, making sure that they know that you care about them, making sure that they like them, that you are taking time out to really help them in every way that you can, generally means that most of the times all the students in your class are going to behave. As I said, It's not going to happen all the time, no matter how good your relationship is with kids. They are always going to have a bad day. They're going to have an argument with their parents. They're going to have an argument with friends outside of school. They're going to fall out with their boyfriend or girlfriend. And then that relationship you have to use in order to contain that behavior. Um, But certainly it is one of the things that I've definitely tried to to do the most of in terms of making sure that behavior is absolutely fantastic. so my next one, uh, the next one down the line is uh, <laughs> certainly one of the things that it took me about God, a while. I don't know why it took me so long to realise this, um, but pick your battles. Um If a child, if the the rule of the class or the rule of the school is that when a a student comes into your classroom, they are supposed to take their outside coat off. Um, If you ask them to take their coat off and they refuse to do it, it's no point arguing. There is a policy there that you should follow. There's no point disturbing the entire class and having an argument in which you will lose as soon as you start arguing. Just say fine because you can deal with it after the class has finished. And as long as you make sure that that student stays behind, because that way all of the class know that you are going to talk to them about the wrong choice that they made. Um, As long as you are consistently doing that all the time, you will be absolutely fine. The children will see that that person has a consequence for not doing as they're told. Um, You are having a word with them so you can try to make sure them understand that they need to do as they're told, because... They're in an environment in which in which not doing as they're told is going to have consequences and just pick your battles. However, if someone is um, being consistently disruptive all the time, uh, that is a battle that you need to deal with straight away. Um, So if they're disrupting the learning and disrupting the learning, disrupting the learning, then you simply have to follow the policy. And if that means they go outside to a buddy room or that they go to some place where they can work so that the other 31 children in your class can actually get on with their work, that's fine. There are times when you can follow that behaviour policy and say, you know, I don't I don't know what most people's behaviour policies are. We have B1s in order for behaviour and A1s and stuff for achievement. So we, you know, B1, B2, then go to a buddy room after that. And it's that, you know, if if someone's doing something that isn't particularly disrupting the lesson and you can have a word with them at the end of the um, lesson, do that rather than start an argument in front of the class because as soon as you start arguing with a child, you've lost. Um, and it's at that point where, you know, you need to just leave it at that. So, I think we'll come back uh, to Behaviour in a second um, after this.
1: Bet UK is just two weeks away. Are you ready to join 30,000 attendees, 600 plus exhibitors on seven content stages from 120 countries and see Louis Theroux, Dame Darcy Bustle, Jason Arde, Laura Carner, Baroness Fitwell Benjamin, Dan Fitzpatrick, Mr. PICT, and so much more? (gasps) I might need to bring my trainers. The best part? educators go free get your ticket now at uk.betshow.com forward slash visitor dash registration
2: this show is brought to you in partnership with john Cat educational publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world have you checked out their latest releases use the code jcttr 2324 for 20% off your order don't miss out visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today happy reading
1: introducing eton x from eton college a diverse range of quality online courses enabling young people to aspire and excel Other popular courses include verbal communication, critical thinking, writing skills, resilience, creative problem solving and many more. Offer the Eaton X curriculum in your school for free. Visit eatonx.com to find out more.
0: And welcome back to Teacher's Talk Radio, The Late Late Show with Sean Mackay talking about 21 years of advice. Um, so, just a second ago then we were talking about behavior be consistent build relationships have a line that you draw in the sand pick your battles um so my next uh, piece of advice the thing that i found is very very simple and that is stick to policy um and that way you're not going to kind of run foul of um Senior leadership or your head of department, head of year, whatever it is, because if you follow the policy that is set out by the school, then you are always going to be doing the right thing. Um, Often uh, or sometimes you need to kind of bump up that policy because, for instance, with our policy, um, you kind of give a warning, then you give a B1, then a B2, and the B3 means that they go into um, a buddy room. Generally, what happens is you go warning. B1, warning, B2, warning, buddy room. And if you think about it that way, sticking to the policy means that you are kind of, dis- being every child that's being sent to the buddy room is disrupting your class at least six times. Um, and therefore, sometimes it might be that you need to go quicker to that to that final stage. But if you stick to policy, generally no one can complain because you are doing exactly what the school has told you to do. So the next um, piece of advice I would be is to always stay calm. Um, As soon as you lose your temper, as soon as you start to shout, for me personally, and as I said, uh, some people may disagree with this. I feel like I've lost the battle um, because I'm no longer calm. I they have made me angry, um, and I shouldn't be angry with children as much as I as they annoy me sometimes and their behavior and their lack of understanding as to how to make the right choice um disrupts the lesson and you becomes quite anxious and annoyed about the fact that the dis- disruption of the lesson has been continuous even though you've tried to do policy other people are beginning to now mess around you have to keep calm nothing that that child is doing in the classroom is personal nothing um they are just either finding it difficult or they can't manage or their emotions are getting the better of them or they're being a pain because they don't like the subject in which you're doing it. Who knows why they're doing it but what you should be doing is remaining calm so that you uh, are always in control and that's what calm is, being in control Um, because you're showing the student that there's nothing that they can do that is going to make you kind of become annoyed or aggravated because I'm calm because I'm in control of the situation I'm in control of you and not if you know if your behavior gets to a point where I have to send you out or I have to have someone come to remove you from the classroom I'm doing that in a controlled way I'm not going to lose my temper and I don't lose my temper I don't think I've um you know, get annoyed, get angry when you come out of the class and everyone's gone and you can kind of rant and rave to your, um, fellow teachers and, you know, say this person did this today. And then someone can kind of sound off about that. And you can have a bit of a calm down because it's all come out. Um, but at the time when that thing is happening, you must remain calm. Um, and it's, One of the most fundamental things that you have to do um, just to show the child that, you know, there is nothing that they can do that's going to make you angry. You are calm because you are showing them that, you know, this is how they should be. You're kind of modeling the behavior that they should have and that you're in control. And no matter what they do, they are not going to be in control of that situation that you are in control all the time and that's what calmness does that's what I found Uh, and as I said this is over 21 years because I wasn't always calm Um, there are times obviously at the beginning of my career when um, I became not that I ever showed it in class but I became really angry and annoyed at students for doing things and it's only kind of when you reflect and you look back and you think you know I wasn't in control of that situation and you think uh they they you know they were deliberately trying to wind me up and I allowed them to do that that you realize that as soon as you lose that calm then you've handed the control over to the student and that should never happen um the next piece of advice, the next little bit of thing that I can do, and one thing that um, ECTs and I think certainly ITT students should get all teachers will know this and all teachers will have their own version of this, but it's the teacher look or the teacher stare. Um, and that is literally looking at a student um, and keep looking at them until the student stops talking. Um, often um, I my my personal favourite with the, with the look or stare, the teacher look or stare, is the raising of one eyebrow when they look at you and realise that you're waiting for them. It kind of makes them almost realise that you're saying you need to be quiet now without actually being quiet. Now, you can do that with both eyebrows. <laughs> I do it with single eyebrow, um, but it, it generally tends to work. I, <laughs> I have no idea why, but it tends to work better if I raise an eyebrow than if I don't. Um, and that's one thing that I found over the twenty-one years. Raise an eyebrow; it becomes they become um, calmer much quicker. Um, also, one of the other things, if the teacher look or the teacher stare isn't working, or you can't do it uh, because you are um, working at board or you're talking to all the class and you're trying to make sure that they're all listening, um, one of the things you can do is go and stand by the student who's not paying attention or students. Often, if you go and talk to the class, you can still walk or look around and make sure that they're all paying attention. But if you're stood next to the person that's talking, they will not be talking. Um, unless it's someone that's deliberately doing it in order to try to get, uh, removed from the class or someone that's doing it because they don't want to be there, they will generally, 99% of students will stop talking, will pay attention and they will literally not want you to be there and so as soon as they are um quiet you walk back to the front and you carry on um and again teach or stare first and then go and stand by them if you need to and it's a it's a great technique it's one of the things um that i've seen people perfect brilliantly just kind of standing there by them even standing by them and looking at them as you're talking is going to be something that helps your behavior in the classroom um but that's just a piece of advice that I found works really well. Just going over and standing by them while you are doing the instructions. And that way that student has to pay attention because you're right in front of them. Um, and my kind of there isn't a last tip because there are loads and loads of things uh, that we could be and I'll come back to behavior if I have time at the end. Um, but essentially um, my last tip uh, for behavior is a question. And it's a question with a double-edged sword for a student. If you see a student that is not paying attention or someone that is not working, uh, the not working is the better way to use this one, is simply go up to that student, get down on their level and say, do you need any help? And that is the most amazing question because it's a double-edged sword. If they don't need any help, then they will say, no and therefore you will expect them to get on with their work and if they do need some help then you can give them some help and then they can get on with their work and it's a great question you can use it time and time and time again as you're going around looking for misconceptions helping those students that need it people that put their hands in the air those people that start talking you can literally go over to them and say oh you're talking again do you need some more help and then they'll either have to say yes or no and that way you can either give them some help and then they can carry on with the work or literally you, they'll say, no, I don't need it. So you say, OK, then if you're talking, then that means you're making a choice not to work, which means there will be consequence. You need to carry on with your work. And it's those little double edged sword questions, I think, which is absolutely brilliant. And I love them. Um, so let's move on to the next one. Then, so we've gone through behavior a little bit. Obviously, there's loads of things over 21 years that I've done, um, but those are just the basics of behavior. If you kind of follow most of those, you'll generally get behavior in your lessons. Uh, Consistency and building relationships being the best ones that you can do. So the next one then is um, time management and kind of organization. I've I've put those two into one because they're kind of the same thing. Um, You've got to organize your time. Um, You've got to make sure that you make the most of the time that you have whilst you're in school. Um, one of the things um, I found with time management, making sure that you have the time to do stuff, especially if you want to make sure that you've got um, your kind of marking done, you've got your planning done, especially if you're doing it in school is try to find somewhere quiet to do it with. Um, my, school is absolutely amazing and i you know everyone gets on with everyone it's the best thing about school is the staff um students are amazing but the staff everyone gets on with everyone else everyone kind of talks to everyone else says good morning we're all really friendly it's such an amazing school for that um but sometimes when you're trying to get on with some work, someone will come along and you'll st- go start having a chat with them. And then before you know it, there's like you've, you've been chatting to someone for 20 minutes and you've lost that 20 minutes. Um, so finding somewhere nice and quiet that you can kind of do your work in. Um, always, you know, go down um, and talk to staff and your friends and colleagues at break time, at lunchtime. um after school if there's people in the staff room but go, you know go down at the, during those particular times excuse me um try to place yourself in, in somewhere that's nice and quiet if you want to get stuff done um we have um i generally go in really early in the morning i'm generally at school by seven o'clock because i want to make sure that everything's sorted and i can get everything done um, and dusted um And it's great because it's really quiet. Uh, The people do come in, also are getting stuff done as well. So I have a little bit of a chat to them, but because they're also busy trying to get um, things photocopied, printouts done, ready for their lessons, it's kind of you can just kind of get it done, Um, and that's what I like. Um, In all terms of organisation as well, um, um, a diary. Have a diary, whether or not that is a. a computer diary something on your computer or laptop something on your ipad or galaxy tab something on your mobile phone or a physical diary that you buy from a shop have a diary because it's it's something you can keep referring to one of the things that i found as a teacher is that there is so many things that i have to do is that you often forget to to do some of the things and you get home and you're like oh damn it, I forgot to do that, and I didn't do that, and I didn't pick this up this morning, and I didn't do that because there's so many things you've got to think about. Um, in, in terms of that, I think I read somewhere once that a a, um, a teacher thinks of more things in a minute than a brain surgeon does, and I I can understand that absolutely because the decisions you have to make, the things that you're doing all the time means that you forget stuff. So having a diary, placing dates in there, making sure that you've got your kind of to-do list in there as well. The things that you've got to do, I think is an absolute must for a teacher in terms of time management and organisation. It's one of those things that you definitely need to to have. Um And I certainly couldn't do without one now. I I kind of write things down all the time and I'm getting it out as much as I can. Um, The one thing about me and my brain is because as I get older, I'm becoming more forgetful. So sometimes I forget to take my diary out. Um, But I always check it at at the kind of lunchtime. I always check it um, at the beginning of the day just to make sure I've got all the things prepared for that day. And I suppose that's the next thing in terms of organisation. Make sure you're prepared. but but kind of don't over prepare you remember you're an expert um you are someone that has the knowledge that the children do not have and so therefore be prepared but don't lose your life over it and I'm not talking about killing yourself I'm talking about don't go over the top and manage that time have some time to yourself um but you're an expert. You know that subject. That's what you're you're teaching. You know everything about that subject. So utilise that knowledge. Um, give them it in chunks. Make sure that you've got stuff down. Uh, make sure you understand where schemes of work are. Make sure you understand if there are specific... Um, booklets that are being out to your department or whether or not you've got to print them. Talk to people. Talk to people about what you need to do. Are the schemes of work done? Do I need to change them in any way? You know, adapt them to your class, but do it in an an expeditious way. Um, And because you're an expert, remember, you don't always need a PowerPoint. Um, I love PowerPoints. I think they're absolutely amazing. But I don't do much on them. I I have a slide that kind of explains what it is because children often forget the instructions because they're trying to concentrate on the lesson that they're doing, the things that they're doing. So therefore, I don't generally I generally tend to use a PowerPoint all the time the good thing with our school at Weston Academy is we have the English department has schemes of work already set up so we just need to manipulate them um but I know what I'm doing I'm prepared I know what I've got to print out the next day I know which ones who I've got to differentiate for um being prepared will help you to have time because you'll be organized You'll know what you've got to do and you'll know how many sheets you need for this place. You need to know where you've got to put it because being prepared is the greatest thing that you can be. And it will save you lots of time. But also, as I said, you don't always need a PowerPoint. Um, So as with me, if you can um, go in early and photocopy anything that you need doing in advance, Um, our I'm not. Organized enough um, to be able to have everything that I want um, and all the planning done um, by the time our ReproGraphics departments have closed for the day. So I always make sure that everything I do, I finish at night time so that I've got all of my things. I send it to myself via email so that when I get in in the morning, I can simply download that thing and then print it off and then I can place it into the folders that I need to place them into because they are going to be, that's that kind of behaviour thing so that the students know where they are, they've got that ready for themselves, that do now task, so that by the time I get there they've got it out. Um, So organisation is a key thing for you to do and I certainly think that if the more organised you are, especially as an ECT, especially as an ITT student, the better you're going to be, the better you're going to enjoy teaching, um, because there's there's nothing like getting in and realise you've forgotten something, or you didn't do something, um, and a diary can help you to remember that, um, so that's it so far, we'll come back after the news, um, and we will see you then.
1: Bet UK is just two weeks away. Are you ready to join 30,000 attendees, 600 plus exhibitors on seven content stages from 120 countries? And see Louis Theroux, Dame Darcy Bustle, Jason Arday, Laura Carner, Baroness Florella Benjamin, Dan Fitzpatrick, Mr. PICT, and so much more. I might need to bring my trainers. The best part? educators go free get your ticket now at uk.betshow.com forward slash visitor dash registration
2: this show is brought to you in partnership with john Cat educational publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world have you checked out their latest releases use the code jcttr 2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading.
1: Introducing Eaton X from Eaton College, a diverse range of quality online courses enabling young people to aspire and excel.
3: is in the news again according to the BBC News website. This time the story is about the pass rate for GCSE resits in the subject. November results show 22.9% of maths entries were marked at grade 4 or above, down from 24.9% in 2022 and 26.9% in 2019. In contrast, the pass rates for GCSE English resits rose to 40.3%, up from 38% in 2022 and 32.3% in 2019. In England, under-18s must retake the GCSE in English and Maths if they did not achieve a minimum of Grade 4. The resits for the recent November series were marked, like the summer 2023 exams, back in line with the pre-pandemic levels. Prior to the exams, some colleges reported they were having to expand class sizes and hire additional exam space to cope with rising numbers of pupils retaking the two subjects. Those sitting the subjects in November are only a subset of the total resitting, as some pupils will not take the tests until the summer. The fall in the maths pass rate comes after government announced plans to replace A-level and T-level qualifications with a new Advanced British Standard which would include some English and maths up to the age of 18. Whilst the arrival of the new Ofsted chief made many headlines across media outlets, Schools Week focused on tech issues which prevented many inspectors from accessing training. All inspectors working in schools, FE, social care and early years were due to attend mental health awareness training, led by Sir Martin Oliver, which was around 3,000 staff. However, it was announced that Ofsted had experienced some technical issues and that fewer than 1,000 inspectors were able to actually access the online sessions. Ofsted did say that a recording was available so those not able to attend would watch it back. Inspections paused for the start of the new term will resume on the 22nd of January. They were not paused in earlier settings. Attendance is in the news again. And looks set to be a key focus for all political parties as a general election approaches. In a recent speech to the Centre for Social Justice, Shadow Minister for Education Bridget Phillipson said Labour would pass a law to register and count the children taught at home, adding that it was important that local authorities know where children not in school are. Plans also included setting up more breakfast clubs. The current government has proposed similar in its schools bill but this and many other aspects were abandoned at a later date. However, new attendance hubs are being launched in London to help reduce persistent absence. The DfE has chosen nine schools with excellent attendance rates to share ideas with others across England. An advertising campaign called Moments Matter Attendance Counts was also launched. Although some aspects drew criticism from some quarters concerned that the campaign sought to minimise mental health issues. Education Secretary Gillian Keegan said, tackling attendance is my number one priority. In Wales, teachers at a high school are striking over poor behaviour of pupils and NESUWT in Wales say there are now six schools in dispute over classroom safety. Teachers in Scotland have also raised concerns about deteriorating behaviours. The TES magazine featured an article by Bill Rogers, behaviour consultant, university lecturer and author. The article focuses on possible reasons for what teachers report as deteriorating behaviours in schools and strategies to improve things. These include focusing on describing and insisting on the behaviours needed for all to learn. Also using clear assertive language and calling pupils to account for their behaviour. The full article is available online. Finally, the BBC has run an article on the news website focusing on how children and adults can stay healthy at the start of the new term. Officially, January marks the start of the spring term, but winter bugs like norovirus and flu are likely around for several months yet. The article focuses on five top tips. Regular hand washing, regular cleaning of high contact areas, staying at home for serious illnesses such as high fever, vomiting or diarrhoea, Vaccinations when necessary or applicable, and using the NHS online services to keep informed or to seek advice. Hopefully, a healthy new year will lead to a happy start to the spring term. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox.
0: And welcome back uh, to Teachers Talk Radio, the Late Late Show with Sean Mackay, uh, talking about 21 years of advice. Uh, so, It's interesting always hearing the news. I love hearing the news. I think it's great. Um, It it makes me, I don't know whether it makes me angry, whether it makes me amused sometimes. Um, I'm just wondering how many teachers uh, would be able to qualify as teachers with a couple of online um, training sessions. Um, Because obviously, Ofsted having mental health awareness training over a couple of sessions on a Zoom um, makes them suddenly mentally health aware. Um, And it also (laughs) kind of makes me, Wonder how many education secretaries have had as many number one priorities as I've had hot dinners. I think um, because attendance will be the priority this time because it's in the news, and I wonder what will be in the news and the number one priority next time. But that's my political bit over. So back to uh, 21 years of experience. So um, we talked so far about behaviour and kind of time management, organisation. Um going on to the next bit, um one of the things i don't know whether um, my experience in terms of, of of kind of ITt students definitely ECT students not as much because I think they don't want to to feel like they're kind of failing in some way, but asking for help is one of my other top tips uh, now this is something I kind of had to learn the hard way um, when I was uh, a new um, staff member new to teaching I, I definitely desperately wanted to make sure that I was asking people for help because I I, I knew that I didn't know it all um, and, and gradually as I became a teacher um, a, a, a more experienced teacher I thought that everything that I knew I got to the point where I didn't need to do anything and I stopped asking people help for help um, I managed stuff myself um, and I became a much worse teacher for it. Um, and so you gradually start to, um, break down that barrier within yourself. And I started to ask people for help again. Um, and I started to observe people's lessons and get them to come in and have a look at some of the things that I was doing to see where they could give me some advice to be able to help someone or to help this student, or even just to help me, um, at home and doing things. And that asking for help, um, is One of the strongest things you can do as a teacher, because let's face it, one of the reasons we became teachers in the first place is to help people. Um, We're very helpful. We love helping people. We love making a difference. Um, So never, ever think that the staff that you are with, the more experienced staff are not going to help you. They're not going to laugh at you. They're not going to ridicule you. They're going to enjoy the fact that you trust them enough to kind of come to them and say, I have this problem. And what I would like to do is help you, for you to help me to solve it. And that doesn't necessarily mean that the person you ask for help is always going to just tell you straight away what you should do. Um, mostly, I found that Teachers that I ask for help generally give me five or six things I can try or they say, um, well, I can't really explain how to do it. Why don't you come and have a look at my lesson? Because I've got that student um, at this point. So why don't you come and have a look and see how I deal with him? Because he's this, that and the other in my lesson. So there's lots of different ways in which they will kind of help you. Some people have pointed me in the direction of a website or um, a piece of literature that I can read, um, something that can help me to do it. And sometimes it's just talking things through um, and then talking about how to make a solution. But asking for help is one of the best things for me that I think that you can do. Um, So that's the next tip ask for help always ask for help um so moving on to the next bits um the bane of my life uh, the most boring thing about teaching um is marking um now lot there are people out there that really enjoy marking and there are definitely uh, things uh, that i love about marking um making using it to inform what i'm going to do uh, with my students knowing what they understood and what they didn't understand knowing one who put the effort in who didn't put the effort in who to watch who not to watch there are absolutely so many positives to marking and feedback um but it's incredibly boring um especially and it's also frustrating at times um so my advice in terms of marking is uh, firstly, be consistent um, with your marking. Know when you're going to to mark and try to stick to it. Um, have that routine. It's kind of, I suppose it's part of that organisational thing that I talked about earlier. Having your books marked, having assessments done in plenty of time within two weeks um, so that that feedback is um, useful um because any 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 later than 2 weeks and i think that you you've lost it the kids forget the kind of assessments that they did they're still keen for um summative assessments to come back and find out what the grade is um which is the bane of my life but um is there for for 2 weeks it will eke eke away after that and it will it will go away and, and, and students will forget what they wrote but if you get it back within you know the sooner you get it back the better but within two weeks means that you are going to have the students focused on that feedback remember what they've actually written in the assessment and therefore they can do um, that feedback based on the stuff the remembrance that they have of it um also remember that marking is there to help you um it's there to help to inform your planning it's there to help you um understand where they are the things that they understood the things that they didn't understand so as much as marking can be tedious can be repetitive um it is something which is kind of essential now i'm not talking about to conflict marking um there are people who say that tick and flick marking is fine. The majority of people say it's not fine. Um, I generally tend to mark things that they've put effort into. Um, I do, and I've held my hands up to this, I do tick and flick because I, I like the students to know that I'm to acknowledge the fact that I have seen the work that they've done. Um, but generally, the comments or any feedback is left for kind of extended pieces of work. So as, a, as an English teacher, obviously, um, that's I will mark things and leave a comment or some feedback on maybe paragraphs that they've done, um, or if they're doing something consistently, um, which they should be doing, and they've done it wrong consistently, I'll talk about it. But generally, I'll look at what they've done, and I'll wait and, and I'll make a comment, but only on maybe summative assessments or something that they've done, which is an extensive, either a paragraph or a little bit more. Um. So try to think of, you know, don't let it take over your life. Don't let marking be something that that keeps you up for ages. I mean, obviously, um, PPE marking, mock exam marking is going to be harder um some staff have it much easier um i personally it's i think it's you know um, it's much much easier to be able to tell that 2 plus 2 equals 4 um than it is uh, with english where 2 plus 2 is a sum it's addition it's a number of symbols and numbers it's um something that's hard something that people find annoying there's lots of different answers uh, with English, and that's I suppose for me which makes it um slightly harder than most other marking there are other markings I think I think history essays are incredibly hard to mark because again it's that nuance of of understanding and opinion which comes into it but don't don't let it take over your life marking is just one of the tools that you are using in order to to help your planning and to help you to go further um And personally, as I said, I mentioned this a second ago, but I I generally, when I mark summative assessments, I generally do not give their grades out on the piece of paper that I'm marking. And that's simply because that's what they look for straight away. Um, And I don't want them to look at the grades straight away. What I want them to do is I want them to see what they did well, what I've seen that they've done, that they've done particularly well, and then things that they need to improve. And if you put the grade, generally what tends to happen is the whole discussion tends to be around what grade they got. What grade did I get? Oh, you got that one. Why did you get that one? I got this one. Rather than what did they do well and what can they do to improve next time? If the students want the grade, they can always come and see me at the end of the lesson and I will tell them what grade they got. And then they can discuss that as they're leaving the classroom. Um, So for me, with your mark, and especially with summative assessments, I would try not to to give grades because you want the the focus to be on the feedback and acting on that feedback rather than the grades themselves. Um, So going to my next top tip, um, and I generally advocate this, is um, outside of school, have hobby have a life meet friends remember that teaching can if you allow it to take over your life Um, and it has done with me on several occasions Um, I suppose for me the difference between (laughs) between myself I don't know about other teachers is the fact that that my wife is also um, a teacher she's um, an assistant head of a school Um, so therefore we both work together so we talk to each other whilst we're working so um although it's about work most of the time we are still talking to each other um personally myself I have I do photography um and it's something that I need to kind of eke back on and 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 do more of because I think I need to kind of give take my own advice on that one and and go back to doing that but I also love writing Um, And the great thing about being an English teacher is when I'm trying to teach writing, I can actually do some writing myself. So I love writing. So I do some writing. I love drawing. I play the guitar, um, which is sat in my living room, much to the bane of my wife. She thinks it should be somewhere else and not stuck in the living room. But I love it. Um, And I often uh, go there to relax and I sit there for five or ten minutes just strumming away. And it just takes my mind off of school Um, or do something. One of the, one of the greatest things I do to take my mind off school is, is driving to and from work. Amazingly enough. Um, it's, it's brilliant just sitting there playing music, getting into that music. Um, but remember that you have friends and that that marking sometimes can wait and you are allowed to go out and enjoy yourselves. You don't need to feel guilty about it. You can go out and take, do photography or do drawing or go and visit places Whatever you want to do, make teaching enjoyable. Um, and that's, I've had the, all of the hobbies that I mentioned I've, I've had for years. Um, and that's possibly why I've been in the job for 21 years is that I absolutely love teaching. I love my job to pieces. I don't think there is anything better than teaching, um, but it is a hard job. So you need that kind of wind down. You need to make sure. That it's there um, and I will come back uh, to the last couple of things in a second
1: bet UK is just two weeks away are you ready to join 30,000 attendees 600 plus exhibitors on seven content stages from 120 countries and see Louis Theroux, Dame Darcy Bustle, Jason Arday, Laura Karner, Baroness Fluella Benjamin, Dan Fitzpatrick, Mr PICT and so much more I might need to bring my trainers the best part educators go free get your ticket now at uk.betshow.com forward slash visitor dash registration
2: this show is brought to you in partnership with john Cat educational publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world have you checked out their latest releases use the code jcttr 2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading.
1: Introducing Eaton X from Eaton College, a diverse range of quality online courses enabling young people to aspire and excel. Other popular courses include verbal communication, critical thinking, writing skills, resilience, creative problem solving, and many more. Offer the Eaton X curriculum in your school for free. Visit eatonx.com to find out more.
0: And welcome back to the final part of Teach Talk Radio and The Late Late Show with Sean Mackay. And so far then, uh, we've talked about behaviour, time management, organisation, uh, asking for help and marking and being outside of school so the last few things the last pieces of advice that I will give you um, in terms of ITT students and ECTs I don't really think I need to tell you this because I think this is so far embedded now into teacher training um, that it's something that everyone does and that's do your research um, because research is is great um, it isn't like it isn't The same as um, the research in inverted commas, excuse me, that I had when I was um, a new teacher. Most of the research was just, oh, this sounds good. Why don't you try this? And then the papers would get hold of it. And then the government would say, yes, you now have to do this. Um, Research is much more rigorous now. It's much more informed. It's. Uh, lots of different analysis and meta-analysis are going on. There's lots of different there's insights into education. There's people that are studying it This from a psychology, from a sociological point of view. It's brilliant, and I love research, uh, and I've done so much of it myself. I'm kind of heavily into it, and I, uh, being a literacy coordinator, obviously, my research <laughs> tends to be towards reading and writing and speaking and listening, or oracy as uh, uh, a primary school thing. But, but any research is great but be critical of it don't forget to make sure that you are reading around that subject as well you know uh, don't just accept that this is fact do do lots of different research around that area because it, it informs your practice and the more informed your practice is, the better it's going to be um but it can also open your eyes to things, you know, I said this is for ECTs and ITT students. The research bit is also for longstanding teachers. Um, I know lots of uh, longstanding teachers that do lots of research and are loving it. But there are also teachers out there that don't do an awful lot because they think that their practice is already informed as it is because they've been in it for so long. Um, For me, you can't... It, it, it's always there. There's always something that you can do better. There's always something that you can um, in, improve on. Um, and I think that's how you always become a better teacher is that you keep that open mind. Um, but as I said, be critical of that research. Make sure that you are going to it with an open mind, but skeptical as well. Test that thing for yourself. Have a look at the different kind of layers of analysis and layers of things. How many schools were involved with the research? Did they do this? Was it controlled, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. Try it yourself. You know, put it into practice. Does it work in your classroom? And if it does, you know, use it. And that's the best thing about research. Um, the other thing about research, I suppose, but for me, or another, um, a piece of advice, because uh, obviously we're coming to the end of the show. So is reflection. It's one of the things that I do all the time is reflect on my practice. How could I have done that differently? How did that go? What can I do to make that better next time? And as long as you kind of do that, I think that you are always going to be a good teacher and you're always going to get better because you're always looking at different things that you can do. And. Um, as i said at the beginning with behavior management every not everything happens the same way with different classes what happens for one class may not happen for another class and that's where your reflection comes in that's where the why didn't it work with that class what was different about that class that made this slightly different and made it something that perhaps next time i can change so that or tweak Uh, But also, sometimes my reflection has been okay, that didn't work this time. I'm going to still try it again and I'm going to keep doing it for a week to see if it works because I need that consistency. I need them to know that it's going to stay like that, it's going to be like that, but it needs to carry on and I'll see whether or not that works. Reflection, I think, is the center point to improving your practice. Always challenging why did I do that? Why did that work well? How can I improve it? And overall, that is, um, in a nutshell, a very, very concentrated kind of set of advice from someone that's been in the teaching profession for 21 years. Um, So in order to summarize the things that I've said um, in a very, very quick time, in order to make sure that your behavior is consistent in your class, be consistent, build relationships, have a line you don't cross, pick your battles. Always be calm. Don't lose control and use that teacher look or teacher stare. Practice that. I use the eyebrow. Um, But ask that question. Do you need some help? Which is a double edged sword. Make sure you're organized and your your time's managed. Use a diary. Be prepared. Remember, you don't always need um, a PowerPoint. Go in early if you can. Next, always ask for help. Teachers are always willing to give you a hand. Marking be consistent it's there to help you but don't make it take over your life it's there to help you not to be the bane of your life. Um, Outside of school make sure you continue to stick with your friends go out have a life talk to people have a hobby do something that you can do outside of school to take your mind off of it. Make sure you do your research because it informs your practice and reflect all the time on the things that you are doing. And if you do all of those things, um, you may become a great teacher. More than likely you will become a great teacher, but there's always things that you can learn. And hopefully you've learned something from me today. Um, it has been an absolute pleasure uh, talking to you tonight. Um, in two weeks time, um, I'm going to be talking to Isabel Reed mackay about um, a senior manager versus kind of teachers, me being the teacher, um, and primary versus secondary. So it's kind of a double-edged thing. We're going to talk loads about uh, senior leaders, what they think, teachers what they think, and how they mix up, but also primary versus secondary. And that will be in two weeks. So hopefully, we'll be back then on Teachers Talk Radio. This is me, Sean Mackay, on the Late Late Show for Teachers Talk Radio.